the Hello Customer Podcast. Intimate business conversations with founders and executives from top brands, sharing how they deliver extraordinary customer experience. Hosted by the girl who gets it done, Esprit Devora. Each season, a different industry. Season one highlights fashion, Zappos, Levi's, Element, Osiris, Volcom, MeUndies, and more. Get ready for an epic audio journey. Hello, hello. We are back with the Hello Customer Podcast. This is Esprit Devora, and I am absolutely engaged to hear all about the story of Levi's and how they built one of the most phenomenal brands, one of the oldest brand, fashion brands ever. I have Eric on the line with me. Uh, my name is Eric Wolski. I work in brand marketing for Levi's and focus on uh, the performance categories of uh, cycling and skateboarding. And what I love about Levi's and the discussions I've had um, with your team and in just being a Levi's wearer myself uh, is uh, durability, outreach to community, really having an emotional connection with the brand. Let's get into a conversation about how Levi's has been able to accomplish this since the 1800s. I mean, that's insane that you guys have been around since the 1800s. How many people, can, how many brands can claim that? Not many. No. <laughs> so yeah. let's talk about the durability in building building jeans for skateboarders. First of all, why get involved in skate? Um, I think uh, with the brand being so old and being around for so long, um, skateboarders have been wearing Levi's since the inception of skateboarding. I mean, it was the gene back, you know, 30, 40 years ago. So for us to be involved in it isn't really a, a huge stretch other than we haven't, you know, advertised or marketed within skateboarding for a while. And I think bringing bringing our design philosophy into that particular area is actually something that's probably needed. Skateboarders really tear through their clothes. So if uh, we can use all of our expertise of 150 or so years uh, to build a better product for skateboarders, you know, we might as well. And you didn't even just think like, let's just build something and put it out there and people will be attracted to it because of our brand name. You really took initiative to grow the Levi skate line from an organic level. So you chose to build skate parks in in tons of different areas that you would least expect it. Can you tell me a little bit about this? Yeah, sure. I, I think when we when we first were launching the program uh, with the products, and we had to come up, you know, obviously with a marketing strategy for it as well. And we really just dug into our roots as a brand because, as you know, if a, if a brand goes out and markets itself as something that it's not, it comes off as really corny and probably is going to get rejected pretty fast. So um, our history is based on workwear, workers needing stronger clothes and we built stronger clothes for skateboarding, and then um, it actually came across my desk. There was a, a group of builders uh, called Zweier out of Germany that were working with a, a young collective called Holy Stoked in Bangalore, India. And basically, there are no free public skate parks. There are no free public parks in, in Bangalore. Wow. So. Yeah, so if you're a kid who doesn't have a lot of money, you can't even go to the park. So what we did is um, they wanted to build just like a little mini ramp on some property that they had. 
And when we kind of went into the story, it just kind of fit into us as a brand. Uh, first, workwear and building, and then second, uh, the long history of philanthropy at, at Levi's. And so, those two things together just kind of uh, it just kind of like sparked the idea of all right, well, let's do this. So we ended up going in and doing much more than a mini ramp. Um, supported the build, brought some professional skateboarders out there to be a part of it to really excite the kids. And yeah, and ended up building a, a pretty good sized park on. Some private property there one of the one of the the funniest things for me was actually in in Bangalore um, where so each day where there was like thirty of us out there working on the park, and uh, the surrounding community was just so confused by what was going on, like what are these people doing? So most of these kids had never even seen a skateboard at this point in their lives um, and had never been exposed to the the idea of a skateboard, so uh, having all these guys out there building these crazy things out of concrete uh every day after about uh the second week every day we would have about 500 or so people just standing all around the park just staring and taking photos and and pointing things to each other and and it was really funny because then when we opened up the park and there was actually skateboarding the looks on everybody's faces it was like the coolest thing they had ever seen you know these guys just like flying around on skateboards and like way up in the air and you know jumping off of buildings next to the park and dropping into the park from the building and and doing all, all these crazy things it was like it, it was like they came to like uh the circus or something and and uh it, yeah it was it was pretty amazing when when you go into a culture that's never even seen skateboarding and see their reaction to it you know it's nothing but positive and then the the guys at Holy Stoked, uh, their vision for it went far beyond skateboarding. So they wanted to provide these kids English lessons and and things like that that would they would also um, better suit them for better prepare them for life uh, and also give them the <laughs> recreation of skateboarding. Um, so anyway, when you hear a vision like that and 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 it's something that can actually uh, be authentic to your brand, it just it, ma- it makes a lot of sense. Totally. And you get all the pro writers involved to help build these skate parks. Yeah, yeah. So we we've uh, over the course of time, like we we pretty much established a good core group of guys that are just really interested in the program and really want to be a part of of all of the projects and the builds and and uh, you know whether they're getting their hands dirty the whole time or whether they're there just to support the community and kind of be the the guys that that get the kids really stoked um, about the park and about the skating there. I mean, it's just seeing the look on kids' faces. It, it just kind of like sells it all for me. That's amazing. And how long have you been involved in building skate parks and working with Levi's? Uh, the let's see, the Bangalore project was 2013. Um, we launched the program in fall of that year. The the product um, in fall of that year, and then uh, we did La Paz, Bolivia, in in the spring of 2014. Um, there's a bunch of other, uh, smaller builds, smaller projects that have gone on, uh, over the last like three years. Um, did a park in Oakland, California recently, just finished up a park in Pine Ridge, South Dakota. But I mean, the one in South Dakota that we just did is, was ridiculous. Like that's going, going on an Indian reservation and building a skate park was pretty nuts. And we're trying to get one done in, in Christchurch, New Zealand. Uh, a few barriers to entry there right now. But yeah, so a while. How do you pick the locations that you're going to build the parks in? 
Um, it's, it's really less about the, the city or the location itself. And it's, it, to me, it's more about the individual or the nonprofit or group that, that we're speaking to. Um, because as a, as a large brand, you can go in and, and you can drop some money to, to build a park. But in the end, if you just walk away from it and it falls apart or, or things go sour, you're, you know, you kind of feel responsible for that to, to kind of upkeep it. And so by partnering with a nonprofit or an individual who has a vision, you're really supporting their vision. So it's not, you know, it's not about Levi's coming in and saving the world. It's about us saying like, hey, look at what this person's doing and, and, and look how great it is for the community. We support that. Yeah. And, and you don't even really brand yourself much on the skate parks, right? No, no. So what we don't brand at all in the skate parks. If they choose to put our logo up there, that's that's totally their choice, but it's nothing that we like contractually agree to. I, I think for us in terms of branding, it's really about the fact that we're we're distributing the content. Like the story's gonna get out there that we were involved. So we don't have to go out and just plaster everything with our logo. Um, I think that's a much more humble way to approach it because again, it's it's not about us saving the world. It's about us supporting people who are doing amazing things in the world. When when someone wears a pair of Levi's today, what emotion, what are they representing? What emotion do you think that creates for them? Oh man, it's it's so many things. I mean, if you look at the brand, it's 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 uh it's a lot of things to a lot of different people. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's there's uh there's 60-year-old men that wear Levi's and it means, you know, quality and durability to them. It's it's the the work pants they've been wearing their entire life. Um, a younger kid, it could be based on music because they see a rapper who wears Levi's or, you know, wears Levi's shrink to fit. And, um, you know, for a skateboarder, it, it could be a durability thing or, or maybe you are attached to the, the stories behind, uh, the builds and the communities that we're supporting. And, and it makes you feel better about wearing a, you know, a, a branded piece of clothing. Definitely. You have teams that really get to know a skateboarder and the lifestyle of a skateboarder to know how to best build the product. What I love about you is it's not just about market research. It's it's about really getting to know people on the streets. So what does that look like? Like when you go to these skate parks to get to know your consumers, I, I you know I think it's it's all about listening. And this was the, at the beginning of the program. It was um, it was us traveling around the world and just talking to skateboarders, talking to skate shop owners, um, talking to people within the industry at, at all different levels. Because um, really, you kind of have to know everybody. You, you don't just need to know the kid that wears the pants. You need to know the kid that's selling the pants to the kid that's wearing the pants. So, um, you know, make, making sure that you understand what a skate shop needs from a brand and, and, and hopefully trying to solve the issues that those, you know, smaller shops have with these bigger brands, um, you know, to just, just make it easier on them and to support them as well. So, um, the future of it, I mean, we've, we've been using this like, uh, through social, we've been using this like hashtag support skateboarding as this kind of umbrella, this overarching umbrella of the program. And it can take on so many different things because building a park doesn't always mean the same thing in every part of the world. So in Europe, you have skate parks everywhere. You don't need to build a bunch of skate parks, but they still love street, street skating. So um, my European counterpart um, built out this program where they sent a bus that traveled around Europe and built l- little DIY spots all over the place in different cities. Really small tokens to the city to skate, but just kind of something cool and new and interesting all under that same idea of support skateboarding. Like do what the community wants you to do, you know, which was, was like providing access, providing a new spot to skate. I don't know, just just things that, that continually support. 
And just for those people that don't know, like what would a DIY spot look like? What, what does that entail? Oh, um, so DIY being do it yourself. Um, it entails, uh, bringing a bunch of bags of concrete, some water, a bunch of tools and a bunch of guys and sometimes girls. And, uh, <laughs> you go, you go find, you know, a spot that has an approach that you can skate up to and, and you build out whatever sort of ramp or obstacle or whatever you want. I mean, it, it can be so many things. And that, that really is like the creativity behind skateboarding. That's amazing is, is skateboarders just kind of like look out and they see the city in a totally different way. And you find, you find this area where you see an approach and you see a place where you can stick an obstacle and, and you just go get the materials and make it happen. And we were talking earlier about uh, the durability of the pants and how they're con- constructed. Can we get into that a little bit? Um, yeah, sure. So um, again, through through all the research that we did um, with skateboarders, we just kind of found out basically what they hated about their pants, like what wasn't working. Um, and obviously, nobody wants to buy a pair of pants, uh, you know, every two to three weeks because you're blowing it out in the crotch or in the in the pockets or the belt loops. And so, when we designed the jeans and the and the work pant for Levi's, it was all about making it look like authentic Levi's products. So no crazy bells and whistles that you can see. But then the fabric is woven with Cordura and a, and a really special Lycra stretch called T400. So it allows your pants to stretch out so it gives, but uh, it always recovers. So you don't get baggy knees or you know saggy bottom, that kind of stuff. There's double-layered back pockets. There's uh, extra stitching. Uh, in the areas of the crotch where it blows out, the belt loops are sewn into the waistband, so those don't fall out or blow out. There's really just a bunch of a bunch of uh, reinforcements and and our riveted construction that we have on the jeans too, just so things don't fall apart. I mean, the idea is is to be able be able to produce a pair of jeans that'll last like four to five months on on a skateboarder instead of you know a few weeks. Oh, definitely. Let's backtrack for a second, talk a little bit to lay the foundation when Levi's was created and what it stands for. Yeah, sure. Levi's started back in the late 1800s. Two men, uh, Levi Strauss and Jacob Davis, uh, got together, had this idea that all these guys were wearing these like canvas pants to go and work in the mines and they were just ripping and falling apart and Jacob Davis had patented this uh, rivet, which I don't know if you know a pair of Levi's very well, but those those little metal pieces, those little copper pieces. Yeah, um, of course, the they're sexy. The <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah. I know those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that that construction um, that they patented was the first gene. So um, you know, the history of the brand is really based on on creating a product for workers who needed something that lasted longer, that, that didn't fall apart, that, that that you know they could they could buy and know it's going to hold up for a while. So, and you know, people find Levi's in mines today that are still pretty together, you know, after like totally. 150 years. So you have this ad in the in the 1900s of two, I think it's like two cars or something pulling at a pair of Levi's and just saying, it's not going to rip. It's not possible. <laughs> yeah. Look at the back. Look at the back patch on any pair of Levi's and it's two horses pulling a pair of jeans. Apart. Two horses. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, what, look, what Levi's means to me uh, is that Though your brand that has all this power is you utilize your power for compassion and to really get into the lifestyle of your customer, like to truly know them, know who they are, know what time they wake up in the morning, know their struggles throughout the day, know how they live, know when they drive, when they ride their bike, when they skate their board. You just really want to get into the life of of a customer. 
that's amazing. And I think that's a huge differentiator between just being a brand and being a brand people feel emotionally connected to. Can you speak a little bit more to that? Yeah, I, you you kind of make us sound like Big Brother a little bit, but <laughs> um, I think what I think what it is is that uh, yeah, we don't just make jeans for nobody, you know. Like we're 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 making products because we talk to people, because we listen to people, because we uh, see trends, because we we try to make what people want and what they need. And and when you get into the stuff um, like commuter and skateboarding, you get into a place of of making products for a very specific person that has needs out of their clothing every single day um, and really getting into to their lives and understanding why they need certain things on their clothes. That way you're not just making a bunch of like random things with 50 pockets because right. people need to put stuff in pockets. Yeah. So it's, it's really, it's really getting to understand people and trying to make the, the most aesthetically pleasing uh, Levi's product, but that offers them things that they need throughout their day. Definitely. Let's let's get into a conversation about the commuter line. Mm-hmm. The the Levi's commuter line was it was one of those products that came about through the designers and people that worked here at Levi's. So um, a lot of us rode bikes to work, and most Levi's are kind of uh, a rigid sort of stiff denim, you know, because they're really durable. And when you're on a bike, it's just not that comfortable. And if you get something that's really like light and stretchy, you're probably going to blow out your back pockets or you know back area pretty easily on riding a bike every day. So uh, there was like this solution that we needed to to solve for a more durable pant on a bike that still had enough stretch to allow you to have the motions of getting on and off a bike and pedaling. And then on top of that, we all live in San Francisco where you know it's misty. 50% of the year, when you're, actually 90% of the year when you're riding your bike in the morning. So you're just getting covered with this sort of dew as you're riding your bike in. So all of these things kind of came together in the form of the, the commuter 511 jean and the commuter trucker jacket. So you basically had this uh, outfit that looked like you were just wearing Levi's, but it actually was uh, repelling the water. It was beating up and just running right off of you. It was allowing you to get on and off your bike in a in a seemingly rigid looking uh, denim. So we weren't compromising our, our normal day-to-day style, but we were more comfortable on a bike and we had all this functionality. So that's how it all started. And then it just kind of grew from there. And tell me about your pop-up store or your pop-up events for biking. Yeah, so we've been doing uh, the whole program was based on on getting involved in the communities. When we launched the program, we sent out this mobile bike shop. So it was a trailer that would go around to 23 cities in the US and it would just open up and there was a a, a tailor, a bike or two bike mechanics. There was a bunch of giveaways. Uh, we had a bunch of uh, other other sponsors that joined in to to give their products away. And you could basically come up, um, there'd be a concert that went on alongside of it. And for four or five hours, you could come up and get free bike tuning, free tailoring, all these free services all just sitting in this trailer. And then it would pack up at the end of the night and move on to the next city. So we did that a couple of years. And then we kind of got the feedback that it goes away too fast. Like it was only four or five hours. I didn't get to get my bike tuned. So, you know, it was, it was really hard for me to engage with it, which is kind of cool, but you know, we decided, okay, let's go fewer cities and let's do something a little more permanent. And so we did uh, a three city program uh, that we called the workspace. You would go to the commuter workspace and you walk in and it's basically a big open room tables, uh, Wi-Fi, coffee, a display of the products that you could try on, check out, buy, two bike mechanics, a tailor shop, 
And then daytime and evening programming, whether it's a, a talk that somebody from the community is giving or a concert at night from a local band. And this would go on for 30 days. And this happened in Los Angeles, Brooklyn, and London. And the idea there was, was just to be a fixture for the community and provide all of these services for free. So if you wanted to just go and get two, three hours of your work done during the day, you can pop into that shop, sit there and get all the free coffee you want, use the Wi-Fi and just do your day-to-day work. Um, in the meantime, maybe get some pants tailored or, you know, like <laughs> there's just a, a lot of cool elements. You could drop your bike off, get it tuned, you know, and, and all of these things are free. So um, it, it was it was amazing like to, to see the reaction to that. I, I'm a bike commuter myself and being a bike, I'm so proud of it. I'm yeah. proud of the clothes I wear. I'm proud of the clip-ins I have. I'm proud of being on the bike instead of a car. It's this weird, it's this weird, awesome thing. <laughs> it's like, yes, the last week I was uh, cycling next to a Bugatti. I was like, let's go. I felt like I was as cool as the Bugatti. And like, so if you have like, <laughs> if what you're wearing compliments, like, because as a cyclist, you don't want to be uncomfortable. You want to, you want to know that you could get off your bike and go into the office or you can go out with your friends and you're not going to look silly. And so it's, it's really cool that uh that you guys hang out with us <laughs> and that you've created <laughs> you've created clothes for us to look awesome in. <laughs> but yeah, that's like what I was saying earlier is like we all we all ride bikes anyway. So I didn't want to have to like come to work and change and right. I didn't want to have to leave work and change cha- change at my destination after work either. So it's like let's make clothes that you can feel good in and look good in all day, but that, you know, function on a bike. Totally. Totally. Uh, it was, it was really interesting when, uh, I was at the workspace in London for about a week and I was sitting there just kind of doing, doing my work, my day-to-day job, um, at a table and it was right next to the opening where there was a sandwich board that kind of had all of the things that were inside the space. And so yeah, people would walk up and, and the sandwich board outside just said tailoring, uh, bike tuning, coffee, Wi-Fi, and next to all of those things, it said free. Um, so it was just like a, like a price board, you know, and everything just said free. And it was, it was really amazing how many people, and I'm talking like hundreds of people, would just stop, stare at it, look inside, look back down at the sandwich board, confused face, and then kind of walk in and you'd have to almost approach them quickly and say, hey, can I help you with something? And first question always was like, all of this stuff is free. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all free. You can, you can get your bike tuned, get your clothes tailored, whatever. And just like that, that sort of like confused look on their face. And it would take a good five to 10 minutes before it would turn into like this really lit up, happy expression. I'm just like, Oh my God, this is all free. Next thing you know, like two hours later, they come back with their bike, couple pairs of pants and, you know, using all of the services, but it like, that's why we had to be there for 30 days because it took about a week, week and a half for people to really like register that, wow, you know, and, and, uh, and then like in, in Los Angeles, we're in downtown Los Angeles, which, you know, there's a pretty wide mix of, of people down in, in downtown. And so you don't have to just be a cyclist to utilize the space. I mean, we had, we had people coming in and, and just using the restrooms, you know, for, yeah. for, uh, for better or worse. And, uh, and you had people just like popping in to do a little bit of work, you know, you don't have to be on a bike to, to be a part of it. And so it was just really nice. Like it was, it was nice to see a reaction from such a wide range of people, uh, to the brand, you know, not just to cycling in the commuter line, but just to the brand itself. 
Totally. What what I'm hearing throughout from the bike commuter line to the skate line to everything Levi's, it's really about inserting yourself as a brand into the lifestyle of your customer, not not trying to understand them, but like really becoming them and uh, and then building the product from there. Thank you so much for spending time sharing insights and your stories with the Hello Customer podcast. It's been amazing having you, Eric, and it's absolutely inspiring to listen about to the story of Levi's. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Thank you. This has been a Hello Customer production. Get immersed into the psychology of effective customer experience on our blog, mycustomer.com.